for anyone who doesn't believe in heaven, all you need to do is look in the eyes of a dog. Hi, everyone. I'm Penny Legate. I'm Julie Blacklow. And you're already making me cry. Oh, is this the truth, though? Yeah, it's the truth. Uh, It's the truth. With us today in our second chat with the incredible dog master, David Fry. You all know him from the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show and host of the National Dog Show held in Philadelphia, which they air every Thanksgiving. David has written a book called Angel on a Leash, and that leads us to talk with David about one of his most important missions in his life, which is the magical world of therapy dog. David, tell us that story that you referred to about how this whole therapy mission began. Well, there are a number of stories out there that have come through the years. The one that I like to believe because it touched on me a little bit in my family is I met a guy one time I was doing a a talk show. It was called Pet News on Fox News back in 1995 or so. Chet Collier, who was president of the Westminster Candle Club, was also the executive vice president of Fox News. And at the time, they were, you know, trying to find enough content to do on their show. And they had a pet news show that aired, and they asked me to guest host it one weekend. And one of my guests I was talking to was a guy named Bill Wynn. And Bill was famous because he had a Yorkie that he had found in the jungle in Borneo during World War II in the South Pacific. But he taught this dog to do all kinds of things that were helpful to them. And one of the most notable things was he helped them run cable through pipes. Uh, Rather than having to dig it all up again and do things, he could run a little piece of string through a pipe because he was so small. He could run from one end to the other and pull that string. They tie the string up to the cable that they needed to pull through, and it kept them from having to uh, dig the ditch up and get shot at while they were doing it. So he made him useful, but he also... Took him home. When he got out of the Army, he went to Cleveland. He was a photographer for the Cleveland Plain Dealer, was Bill. And he got involved with the dog doing therapy dog work, which he sort of started when he was in the hospital in the jungle himself with jungle fever. His company mates brought the dog to him in the hospital to cheer him up. And Bill noted that and came back with the dog to visit others in the hospital and and get them cheered up. And he says, how'd you do that? How'd you get the army of all people to say, yeah, you can have a dog here? He says, well, we went to the captain who was in charge of the base of the uh, field hospital, a guy named Charles Mayo. He said, Charles Mayo? He says, yeah, like the Mayo Clinic in Minneapolis. Mm. Uh, so, So from the jungles of Borneo to the Mayo Clinic in Minneapolis was a little bit of the beginnings of therapy dogs. It made Bill feel better. It made it that our dogs help our health. And we know intuitively, anybody who has a dog knows that when you interact with a dog, you feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No question. It's tangible. It's tangible. tangible yeah. And, and so for years, we did some of this stuff. We you know visited schools or we visit senior homes or do things, but we never really were able to get into hospitals, to working hospitals. And after a while, the uh, medical care professionals got to see the things that dogs could do and said to their administrators, who, who were usually the roadblocks, administrator would say, oh, we can't have a dog in here. It's a dirty dog. We can't bring him in. The administrator said, you know what? This dog does more good than anything that that, that could offset. Mm-hmm. So the, they started letting the professionals in. When I was living in New York, at the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, world's famous cancer center, did not allow dogs. Uh, we were there. We, we had dogs into the, the Ronald McDonald house there often. And many of those kids went to Memorial Sloan Kettering for 
treatment or diagnosis or care or surgery. And many of those kids had the relationship with the dogs at the Ronald McDonald house. When they got to the hospital, they didn't get to have the dogs anymore. And they said, why can't I have the dog come in here? So they let us do a pilot program. We did a pilot program in the women's health unit. And we were the first dogs ever allowed in the hospital. And that was on one floor of the hospital. And within about six months time, we were everywhere in that hospital. And it just is one of those things that when it works, it works. And you have a dog there with kids, with kids, geez, get them to smile. These kids who are battling cancer that their whole life, people are poking and prodding them and they're telling them how sick they are and get well, get better, fight on. And you bring them a dog and they smile, Mm -hmm. gives them something to smile about. And then the parents say, geez, that's the first time he smiled all week. And the parents are smiling. My friend Bill, who was the president of the Ronald McDonald House in New York City, Bill Sullivan, would always tell the story. He says, when you get a child to smile, you get the parents to smile. Mm-hmm. And that helps the healing process. It helps the family process when they're there staying at the Ronald McDonald House. And it was really something pretty special. But you get somebody, you get their minds off of what's going on with them. They think about something other than their challenges. They They talk. They walk. They may take a step that they haven't taken for a while. I had a kid that had a tumor wrapped around her her spinal cord, and she was really hobbling and wouldn't do things for her therapist. And her therapist one night saw me with the dog and the kid jump up and want to walk the dog. And I gave her the leash. I, it was a double leash where I had control of the dog, but she took the leash and took off around the around the front room of the Ronald McDonald house. And the uh, therapist looked at me and said, you know, I've been trying to get her to do that for two weeks. Mm. Says your dog got her to do it in five minutes. And the dog does not judge these patients. The dog is just love. Well, that's what dogs are. They're spontaneous. You hear the phrase unconditional love. Um, they don't hold any grudges. They don't care what you look like, how much money you have, or what you're doing. If you're there with a smile and a pet and maybe a treat once in a while. So what's better than that? What is better in life than that? Dogs have such a great life. Yeah. I want to come back as a dog, as my dog. Well, yeah. I want to come back as any dog I've ever owned. Which sits <laughs> I've good. had people come to my home and they're shocked that I let the dog on the furniture. <laughs> no, this is the dog's house. Is there is there science behind therapeutic? There is science. There uh, is. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the science has found out that when you interact with a dog, your heart rate goes down. Mm-hmm. You know, and your blood, blood pressure too, yeah, your right? blood pressure goes mm-hmm. down and your yep. respiratory rate goes down. Mm-hmm. Your body increases the production of the good hormones. So that, and that can't help, but help the healing process right. that helps the healing process. And you feel better. And hopefully that helps you get better. Dogs have become so important in that process that they're in probably every major place, every major healthcare facility in this country, I would venture to guess. I would say this, when we came into uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering, and it had always been the top cancer hospital in the country, mm-hmm. it had just slipped to number two in the world news reports behind uh, MJ Anderson in Houston. MJ Anderson had a thriving therapy dog program, well-known. Everybody loved it. So now uh, Sloan Kettering people decide they want to have their own therapy dog program. And I said, I know why you guys are doing this. You're doing it because you slipped to number two and you know that these other guys have a therapy dog program. And whether that was true or not, I don't care because that's going to be my story. And, and, and so now they got a thriving therapy dog program too. Do most hospitals have some uh, assisted living centers and hospitals? Do they allow dogs? Uh, and they have, you know, campuses off, you know, away from the main facility for seniors, for example, or families in crisis, depending on the hospital and the community that they're in. 
There are a lot of places dogs can be that make a difference. I've often thought having a daughter who suffered from intense anxiety and depression, there's so much mental health issues in our country, young and old alike, and um, no hospital beds for people. I always just thought if we had a nice, really beautiful kennel setting <laughs> where people could bring their dogs or a pile of puppies and bring in who could be depressed with a pile of Labrador puppies crawling all over you. I mean, it's the most glorious thing you can experience licking and biting and jumping and running. I mean, it, uh, I just think it's a real simple medicine to make people feel really good. And there, as you said, there's hard science behind it. It's not just, Oh, I feel so good. All woo woo. No, it really has a huge physical and mental effect on us when we interact Absolutely. with the dogs. They do puppy Absolutely. yoga. There's, 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 there do all kinds of, <laughs> no, there's literally places of course in California, but where I've seen they have yoga classes with puppies just jumping around and on you when you lie down and just, I, I mean, that's fantastic. I would, I would go to a gym for that. Yeah. But, um, nothing like puppy breath. But, oh, mm. oh, love puppy it. Breath. I love it. And their little yes. soft ears. Yes. <laughs> Once again, we're talking with the man who is probably the most recognizable person in the entire world. When we're talking about dogs and dog shows and everything, dog, David Fry. My my friend, my friend Cooper Lawrence introduces me as the guy who invented dogs. Okay, we are with oh, the wow. guy who invented dogs. <laughs> so. <laughs> that you are upset about the overuse of therapy, bringing dogs onto planes. The the illegitimate oh, kind. Yeah. of... I've seen you've written about this, David. Mm-hmm. Well, my first book about it called Angel by My Side. Yeah, but people are taking advantage of this. Well, I think especially in this day of emotional support animals, where you know people say, "Well, I need an emotional emotional support." Well, all dogs <laughs> are emotional support animals, <laughs> right? You know, I need an emotional support animal in my life, <laughs> and I have one, and and she is my emotional support animal. But I don't use that to get her onto an airplane or to get me into places with her if I can't go somewhere place with her then we don't go there we'll mm-hmm. go somewhere else right. but, but people um, are using but, this like using um pot-bellied pigs as our oh animals God, and pheasant some peacock right they get these fake credentials and fake vests that they put on these dogs to get them onto airplanes you can go anywhere on the internet and get some coupon yeah right you know send in ten dollars and two milk bone box tops and <laughs> yeah and suddenly your dog is said to have some kind of training and you can tell Anybody who's been around dogs, I can tell, certainly, when a dog comes in and they say, this is my service dog, that's an insult to all the people who need service dogs if they are not a legitimate service dog. Mm-hmm. And you can tell the minute they come in, mm-hmm. they have to, they can't walk on a leash if they uh, get upset about other dogs. If they, They're not a service dog. They, they, at least they haven't had any training. They may be an emotional support animal. But that's much different than a service animal. And I and I wrote a book about a heroic golden retriever service dog and his partner called the angel by my side that this dog learned to alert on Mike when he was about to have an unstable angina attack, a heart attack. And it gave Mike a 10 minute head start on his meds because Mike wouldn't feel the effects of it until 10 minutes later. And but it gave Mike a head start on his meds and brought his body and himself back under control. And he was able to suddenly to go back to work and do things. Wow. It was quite a story about Dakota, the great service dog. Oh, golden retrievers. Just to remind everybody, Julie, we're talking with the one and only David Fry, who, of course, for many years was the voice of the Westminster uh, Kennel Club, has written a book called Angel on a Leash about therapy dogs and the lives they touch. David, for people who want to get involved in a therapy project with their own dogs, I know that you have to get a certification. 
are there certain kinds of dogs that make better therapy dogs than others? And if you are interested in doing that kind of thing, how do you go about getting your own dog the credentials to take them into like an assisted living home or a hospital or yeah. such? The therapy dogs, it's about the dog, not the breed. And there are a lot of Labradors and a lot of Goldens and a lot of Cavaliers that can be great therapy dogs just walking in the door. And there's a lot of other dogs that can be as well, but it takes some training so that they come to understand what it's about when they do walk into the room, that it's not about being in charge. It's about being there to help somebody. And, you know, that sounds kind of complicated to say, but you go through a training program. When we had ours at Angel on a Leash, we could train people and get them certified through Delta Society, now called Pet Partners. The training process, and I've said this always, is that our training process is aimed, is aimed more at the handler than the dog. Mm. That a lot of these dogs are born therapy dogs, and the great therapy dogs are born, not made. I will always believe that. Mm. But it takes the handler to be in control of them and keep them out of trouble and get them to the right places and give them the right cues so that they know what they're supposed to be doing and knowing what the dog's limits may be. I think a lot of people think, well, my dog's a great therapy dog. I'm going to stay here all day and be a therapy dog. Well, that's not good for the dog. And I, I don't like these programs that reward animals for hours of being a therapy dog. I think that has to be done selectively. My dog, when I go to visit, I have an hour limit mm. and that's it. And I don't care at the end of that hour, she may be ready to go and keep going. But to me, that's it. It's like an old baseball player. You want them to retire a year too early rather than a year too late. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to wear them out in the process so that it's a job for them instead of fun for them. A joy. Yeah. But I've had time where I shut my dog down after 30 minutes. I said, you know what? You're just not into it today, Ty. We're mm -hmm. going home right now. You can mm -hmm. tell. I've had times where... I'm trying to go home after an hour and and I think she might still have a little juice left in her, but it's a good place to quit. And the husband of a patient at Sloan Kettering comes running to me at the elevator and says, hey, you got to come see my wife. And it was a patient that I had been seeing when I went to her room that night. She had a doctor in her room. So I went to the elevator and I was standing at the elevator and her husband came out and grabbed me and said, you can't leave. Says the doctor just said to her, there's nothing more we can do for you. You have to move to hospice. And uh, that was that's the tough talk that comes out of Sloan Kettering every once in a while. But um, we went back to see her and it, and it pushed my dog to an hour and 45 minutes mm -hmm. being there for her. And uh, sure enough, they moved her to hospice and two days later she died. But, you know, she wasn't a stat for Sloan Kettering. And that's where they get them out of their hospital. We don't want somebody to die in our hospital. Your your dog did it with love. Sent her off. Wow. God, amazing. Some of the photos in this book, David, the book, again, that David has written is called Angel on a Leash, and it's about therapy dogs and his experiences in many places. And this one photograph, I just have to say, it was at MD Anderson, and it's this uh, little pediatric patient. And we'll we'll put this on our Facebook page so you mm -hmm. also can see it at home. A picture. Uh, yeah. I mean, just that photo says it all right there. That was it? Stump. That was Stump was the uh, was a Sussex Spaniel who was best in show in 2009. And he went back to Houston. I took him around the day after the show and we we always stopped at the Ronald McDonald house. And these handlers and their dogs, these show dogs that had probably never done this kind of stuff. But now they're looking for something to do when they're done. They're retired from the show world. So he goes home to Houston and takes Stump to MD Anderson, and he becomes a star at MD Anderson. Mm -hmm. 
And Stump was the oldest dog ever to go best in show at Westminster. So he had kind of a short therapy dog life. But in this photo, they're looking at each other eye to eye on the ground. The dog has his his chin on the ground looking at this child who has her ear on the ground. She has no hair. And they're just smiling. I mean, it's just beautiful. Really, I have a very similar picture of Grace with a Ronald McDonald House patient mm. like that that I will send you. Send, to yes, oh, please. We'll share it with our listeners, our viewers. Our viewers now on Facebook can see our pictures. <laughs> are there are there breeds that lend themselves to therapy work more than others? Sure. I, I think for some dogs, it's very easy to walk in the door. For other dogs, mm. once you train them, they are very good at it. Yeah. They need to understand that they're not the alpha dog in the relationship. Right. And that they're there not to not to be a star or something. Uno, God love him. He was a great little therapy dog because he was unfazed by anything. But <laughs> when we went into some place, he'd look around the room and suddenly it's about him, you know. <laughs> and he knew it, but he but he never backed away from a child. He never backed away from a parent. When we went to the Milwaukee Ronald McDonald House. We went to Milwaukee. He threw out the first pitch at a Milwaukee Brewers game. And danced on the dugout at the roof at, at seventh inning stretch. Mm -hmm. But we went to the Ronald McDonald House that afternoon. I had called Linda Buckley, who was the head of the Ronald McDonald House, my connections through the Ronald McDonald House in New York. And I said, I'm going to be in town with Uno. I want to come to the Ronald McDonald House and visit your kids before we go to the game. And she said, yeah, bring him. Come on. We'd love to have you. And so we, we get there and I look around the room. There's a couple of families and there's a bunch of people in doctor's coats and ties. And I said, well, who are these people? And, and so I took off with Uno and we, we did, he did his bid. He took, see all the kids and I'm crawling around on the floor, pushing him to kids and parents <laughs> and stuff. And at the end of the day, it got, I was exhausted. So I knew it had been a good day. We started to leave and I went to Linda. I said, now you got to tell me who are all these people that were here watching. And she says, they're members of our board who for years have not let us have a therapy dog program. Oh. And we invited them to come and watch Uno work oh. in the hopes that they will approve a program. And two weeks later, my phone rang. She says, we got it. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, I got yeah. chills. Amazing. Uh -huh. God bless Uno. Yeah. You know, you tend to see the labs and Goldens and I think mostly labs as the service dogs, the ones that help the blind and whatever. Although there are other breeds that can do that. I have to say, David, you had met my inscrutable, obnoxious little terrier, Bob. He hated me. A soft-coated Wheaton terrier. He hated me. He, he, he was a classic terrier behavior, which is if you throw the ball, you go get it. I can't be bothered. But when I took Bob with me one day to see my father in a nursing home, and his whole personality changed. He became friendly. He walked up to the older people in wheelchairs and let them just touch his fuzzy fur. And it just, it was a complete, well, of course, when I got him back in the car, he was like, you know, I don't know you. But but he was classic terrier. It is amazing. You know, Grace and I visited the VA hospital every Wednesday, the last six years that I was in New York. Mm -hmm. We visited the VA hospital I'm a veteran and I'm their demographic. I'm their age group, but the dog was something else. And, and we would do bedside visits and she would crawl into bed with some of them. But the first people waiting for her at the door every week were the physical therapists and the occupational therapists because they would use grace to help their patients who many of whom had just gotten a new prosthetic arm or a leg and they were learning how to use it. And they were learning how to walk again or whatever. But you you put a cookie in this guy's hand, in this prosthetic hand, and his arm would whir and make noises. And Grace would never back off from that. And he would hold the cookie out flat palm. He would hold it in his fingers overhand. He would reach down and pet Grace. I put a brush in that hand and he brushed Grace. And when it's over, the therapist is standing there looking at me crying. 
Mm-hmm. And she says, this is unbelievable. She just got him to do all the stuff I've been trying to get him to do all week. Mm-hmm. I had a TV crew following me one day and Grace and I came to this room and I said, who's this guy? I've never seen him. I've been coming here for six years. Who's this guy? She says, oh, she says, we never visited him. And I said, why not? She says, well, he's almost 90. He's in the early stages of dementia. When you come in his room, he starts yelling because he's upset with somebody coming in. And not only that, he speaks in gibberish. So you don't know what he's saying. So we just don't go in there. I said, well, you know what? We're there. So we walked in the door. I lift Grace up to him and he puts his hand on either side of her face and pulls her gently towards him and starts talking to her in gibberish, gently, wasn't yelling. And I said, that's right. Her name's Grace. We come here every Wednesday. I said, I'm sorry we haven't seen you before now, but we'll come back again. He said, something else in gibberish. I said, yeah, she is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that point, I'm crying telling this story. I'm crying listening to it. At that point, I look over at the nurse and the nurse was crying because she'd never seen this guy respond in that way before. Oh, Oh. He was a great guy. But we saw him one more time and he died. Oh. But, um, you know, the, the the people at the Veterans Hospital in New York City, as you might imagine, many of them, if not most, many of them, if they weren't living in the hospital, they would be living on the streets in New York. And Grace gave these guys, you know, a piece of life, a remembrance of home. We walked down the street and a guy sleeping on cardboard next to a church on Park Avenue starts yelling at her, whistles at her. And, and we walk over there. And the guy reaches down and pets her and starts talking about his dog growing up. God. But here's a guy that hasn't had anybody talking to him. I said, she made me a better person. With every time then I would walk to work without her and see the guy and I'd go over and talk to him. I never would have done that before. But she's walking down from the streets in New York. It's my ministry of the street where that you see these guys. It can be somebody in a suit. I had a guy come up to me in a suit one time and says, hey, he says, he says, come here. I said, okay. Bring the dog over. He reaches on pets. He says, I got a tough meeting coming up. I need a little bit of this. Mm-hmm. And so he gave her some pets and then took off. Mm. So, oh, David, the things that, that my dogs did for me. You yeah. said before, all dogs are therapy dogs, aren't they? Really? <laughs> they really are. All dogs come from heaven. <laughs> no question. Yeah. What? Who, who said, Will, uh, Will Rogers, if all dogs don't go to heaven, I want to go where they're going. Yeah. David, I'm cr- I'm crying here let's see no 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 that's what these animals mean to us that's what we know they're truth they're honest they're non-judgmental they love you no matter what your station in life is they help all of us some more than others can i tell you one more story do i have enough time sure yes regale us i visited the mount sinai hospital in new york and they didn't allow dogs to come into the rooms and go to bedside they had to go to the family room and see people and and eventually we got that changed But, but i went in there one night And I was visiting with a woman and across the way on the other side of the room were two kids, two young men, probably 19, 20 years old, sitting in high back wood wheelchairs. And two people who I presumed to be their parents were sitting in front of them, feeding them. They they couldn't move their arms. I had surmised there had been some bad auto accident or something. And when I'm done with the woman and I look over at them and, and one of the kids whistles at us and I looked at the parents and I said, sounds like they'd like a visit. I said, can we come over? And the woman who I came to find out didn't speak English. Um, she only spoke Spanish. She looks at her husband and says something to him. And he says, yeah, yeah. And he waves us over. So we go over. These two boys are sitting there in their wheelchairs, can't move their arms. And the one kid, the first guy we see, can't move his arms or do anything. And he looks at the dog and, and whistles at him. And Ty looks up, you know, does the old head cocking thing and looks up at him. And the kid whistles again. And Ty lays down and rolls over. Mm-hmm. And the kid you know, it's cheering and not, not in his head. 
And mom and dad are grinning from ear to ear. Mm. So now we move over to the other kid in the next wheelchair. He can move one arm and he drops his arm down off the wheelchair and Ty runs over there. God love him and high fives him. Oh, oh, and again, more um, cheering and smiling and laughing amongst all of them. And I know that was the first laugh they probably had that day because they, they, they were in bad. They were in sad shape just for them to give those kids that opportunity that day and to have the parents right there being a part of it. Ty did more for that family that day than probably anybody had. But, oh, David. Oh, I'm all weepy. I got a million beautiful stories. stories. Now I'm all weepy. I'm going to I'm going to end it on a happy prediction here. Okay. Years ago, after my daughter died, I consulted a a psychic who uh, is quite well known and he assured me that often the very first creatures to meet us on the other side are our dogs and our cats and our beloved pets. And I believe that and I'm going to have several over there already waiting for me and I'm very uplifted by the thought that they'll be there waiting on the other side. No question. God, I hope so. They will be there. I know that Ty and Bell and Uno and Grace and Angel yeah. are there. there, when I get there. They'll Wait, be there. Yeah. Yes. Now we Thank have to just it. be good enough to go there. <laughs> yeah, we got to get there There's first. The challenge. I know my dogs are going to be there. There's no <laughs> question. Sure. I've seen a cartoon in the New Yorker that shows St. Peter and the clouds and everything, and it has a pre-check exit, <laughs> and then it has all the humans get judged, but the dogs get free passage. Well, that's my world. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's where I live. Yeah. We love you, David Fry. Love you guys. David Thank, Fry. You Thank you for you having so me. Much. I'm sorry, you got us all crying here. No, yeah. no, it's, they're good tears. Yeah, because they remind us of the power of these spiritual, incredible creatures, four-legged angels. Absolutely. Hug your dogs. I yeah. say, say that all the time. The real best in show dog is the dog sitting next to you on the couch at home. Right. And everyone so. thinks they have the best dog. And as you say, David, <laughs> everyone's right. I always say thank them every day for letting you be the other guy, the other person on the other end of the leash. Ah, uh, what a mm-hmm. blessing. If my yeah. dog knew how to walk on a leash, but that's another story. So <laughs> we love you right. and uh, thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for the time. I got to yeah, go blow my nose now. <laughs> okay. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. Bye-bye. You can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. We're a couple of dusty muffins. But we can't wrap up the show without tipping our hats to production director Clem Daniels. Thanks so much, Clem, for making it sound so good. 